It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Touchdown, Los Angeles. You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Rams Nation, what's happening, what's good? It's your boy Bear Motter of Rams Podcast, but this is Locked On Rams. This is the Wednesday edition of Locked On Rams, and you know what that means. That's right, it's crossover edition. We got the boys from Locked On Chargers on the show. That's David and John, and we'll get to them here in a second because we had a pretty long interview with them. So we'll get right to it in today's show, but a couple things I want to get out of the way before we get there. I mean, you know I got to talk about hitting the subscribe button and giving the follow. That's Locked On Rams, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Facebook group, iTunes, Spotify. Share with friends. Reach out to us. Let us know what you think. We've got a voicemail that you can leave a message. I'm still waiting for that first call, y'all. 657-345-4988. Tell me what you think is going to happen in this game or call me on Sunday and let me know your instant reaction. I'll play it on the show on Monday. Don't forget to peek around the network and find an amazing show to listen to it besides myself. We've got some awesome Locked On NFL shows. Uh, the one with Matt Williamson is great. The fantasy football one is awesome, especially if you're into the fantasy football world. Go check it out. Both those guys have got amazing shows from Monday to Friday, bringing on the same guest every week, kind of like what we're doing over here at Rams Podcast. Don't forget, tomorrow, we've got Vinny Bonsignor on. We're going to pick his brain, get a little bit inside information as he's hanging around with the team every week. So hopefully he's got some goodies for us. And then on Friday, it is the Hype You Up edition with Serena Morales, again, close to the team. She was actually out at Lay's today, the new arena for the Los Angeles Rams. So I want to kind of ask her about what she saw there and what we can get excited about in year 2020. And a quick couple news and updates before we get going. The Rams made some transactions today. They had waived Isaiah Johnson and Brandon Allen. Additionally to that, they cut Tamaric Hemingway and Luis Perez from the practice squad and added Daryl Williams Jr., who's an offensive lineman. I believe they still have one spot left on the practice squad, so we'll see what they do with that. I don't see this being the end of the moves over the next couple weeks as injuries has forced the Rams' hand to make some moves, but we'll keep an eye on that. But I'm not going to waste your time today. I'm going to kick right into it. Here is my conversation I had with the Lockdown Chargers. This is your crossover edition. Enjoy, guys, and we will see you tomorrow with Vinny Bonsignor. All right, welcome, Los Angeles. We are super excited. This is the Wednesday crossover edition I'm your host from Locked On Rams, Bear Motter. I've got David and John with me from Locked On Chargers. We're going to talk the upcoming battle of L.A. David, John, how are you guys doing today? Hey, couldn't be more excited to be talking about football. Uh, I know it's the third game of the season, and it seems like it's going too quickly. Uh, I wish it would slow down a little bit. Waited eight months for this uh, to get started, but... uh, Again, I couldn't be more happy to be talking football with you guys. John, how are you doing, man? I can't wait to be in that stadium, man. I've always wanted to be in the Los Angeles Coliseum, and now I get to be in it for a rivalry. Oh, that's awesome. That was going to be one of my first questions. I was wondering if you guys were going to make the trip up to uh, come to the Coliseum. 
I will be there as well, so maybe at some point we'll meet for halftime for a beer, and maybe we can place a bet on it, you know, maybe, you know, team up at halftime, buys the beer. I don't know. I'm feeling pretty confident about this, so maybe we can talk that out throughout the podcast, but that will leads us kind of into my first question for you guys. What are your thoughts on how the Coliseum is going to look on game day? Both of our teams have kind of struggled with away teams coming in and having a pretty good uh, attendance record, I guess you could say, uh, in, in our home stadium. This being now both of our cities, obviously a home game for us in terms of schedule. But what are your thoughts on what the Coliseum is going to look like on Sunday? So, John, I, I think, uh, you know, it, it, at the at our place, uh, Bear, we have a lot of opposing fans. <laughs> we, uh, we really don't have a home field advantage. Uh, we haven't had one since we, uh, the Chargers, excuse me, not we, the Chargers started playing at the StubHub Center. Uh, and that's just something that we've come to expect. So I wouldn't imagine there to be a tremendous amount of Charger fans in the Coliseum just because we're still trying to get the foothold in Los Angeles. Expect to see some empty seats. John, what do you think? The Rams do have a problem with opposing fans, but it's nothing like the Chargers situation. The Coliseum holds a lot of people, and I mean a lot of people. Right. Stump Up Center holds like 20-something thousand, and half that stadium's opposing fans, whereas if you go to a Rams game, it's probably like less than a third of the opposing team's fans probably, which is what Qualcomm used to be like when the Chargers played here in San Diego. So... I would expect there to probably be the same amount of thing. I would expect a lot of Charger fans to be there more than, than what people would expect because I think more people would rather go to this game than they would StubHub Center because the tickets for this game were like 50 bucks, 40 bucks on StubHub, whereas the average ticket at StubHub Center on StubHub or on Ticketmaster or even at face value is like around $125. And that's even for a, a seat at the top of the stadium. Even though it's not that bad of a view, it's still at the top of the stadium for $125. So I think there's actually going to be more people at this game. No, it's a good point that you bring up because I went to the game, I went to the home opener against the Cardinals, and I bought tickets last minute for $14, and I had great seats. And so um, I can imagine, and I looked because I was kind of curious about as I was diving into it and seeing what our prices were. I was like, oh, man, I wonder what the Chargers prices are. And you're right, man. You guys are up there. Uh, probably a lot has to do with the away fans kind of driving up the price and due to the fact that it's so small. So, you know, number of tickets are limited. Uh, those factors probably yeah. go into it. Uh, but yeah, it's the fact that there's like so little seats that they rise the price. So I think like my season tickets when they were in San Diego were $400 for the cheapest seat there. It's like $1,400 for the cheapest seat. And I went to the Chiefs game. It cost me about a hundred and something dollars, like a hundred and four or something like that. But I used the code locked on from Vivid Seats, and I got it down to like eighty-eight dollars. So that helped a lot, but it was still expensive. Whereas the Rams game, I paid ninety-nine dollars for two tickets because I hit the jackpot and got my fiance to go with me. Hey, there you go, and I love it. The the locked on promo is not only good for you listeners, us hosts can use and take advantage of them as well. Uh, that's a pretty <laughs> cool story. Well, man, I'll be there. I'm actually my plus one is a Chargers fan, so I, hey, I, have, hey. to, I have to deal with that through the whole game. Smart guy. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> we've we've got a bet going throughout the uh, for the game as well, so it's going to be interesting for both of us. Um, but you know, kind of moving along, it's going to be a fun game. Both of our teams put up a lot of points in the first half last week. You guys obviously on the road versus the Bills. 
Uh, that game got a little bit closer than you probably would have liked near the end. Uh, the Bills kind of came back and fought a little bit back into that. But what's your thought about you know your guys' season so far? Obviously, you faced one of the top offenses in the league week one, and we saw that kind of explode, and it wasn't really a fluke as we saw it in week two as well. But so far, how are you feeling about uh, the Chargers as a whole coming into this game? They're missing Joey Bosa bad, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball. They just don't get the same amount of pressure we expect them to get. Now, Derwin James, the, the, the rookie safety, has played out of his mind. He's been able to get some pass rush. He's been great uh, in pass coverage. He's helped fill the void a little bit, but you, you can't replace an all-pro talent like Joey Bosa, and it's very evident thus far. You know, you did say the, the, the game was a little bit closer against the Bills. Uh, let's be honest that, that, I mean, they scored a garbage time touchdown. Right. Uh, and if they didn't, if they didn't score that, that, that touchdown, the, it would have looked completely different than uh 31 20. I mean, 31 20 is not the, the description of that game by any means. The bills are awful. And, uh, now as far as the chiefs games concerned, I think a lot of Chargers fans were, were maybe confident and probably a little overconfident, you know, they, and I mean, hey, it's the first game of the year, and everybody's excited and, re- and rearing to go. But uh, you know, hey, it looks like Patrick Mahomes is the real deal. Right. And uh, so, uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it, it's an interesting uh, start to the season. At least, you know, John, we don't have to wait till week five to talk about the first win. Oh my God! Don't even remind me of that, man. <laughs> oh, I, and what's what's even worse is I predicted that last year that it, we would start zero four, and our first win would be against Eli and the Giants to rub it in Eli's face just a little bit more. As you said, I mean, the scoreboard doesn't predict the Bills win, but the Chargers basically let the foot off the pedal in the second half to hide their game plan. So as long as they got the win, that's what matters. You took care of business in the first half, so you don't have to do even more in the second half. The Chiefs game, though, I mean, oh, my God, man. Those drop balls. The drop balls tell the story. We should have won that game. People say we're overconfident. We had a bad start to that game, and yet with the drop passes we had, three of them would have been touchdowns. We could have won that game. And that's against a Patrick Mahomes team that's throwing 10 touchdowns in the first two weeks. I mean, that's ridiculous numbers, and we still could have won that game. So the the Chargers are a lot better than people think they are based on what the record says, what the games say. Mistakes are what hurt the Chargers, and that's the Chargers history. Anybody who's been a Charger fan knows that the Chargers tend to hurt themselves more than other teams hurt us, where we could be up 48 nothing, and somehow we will throw interceptions on our own, not because so many great players, because we made stupid decisions and let the team back in. Yeah, well, you, you mentioned it, uh, David, right out of the gate. You didn't have to wait very long to get your first win, which I'm sure for you guys is a great feeling. You've got a road victory under your belt as well, which is always in the NFL is a big deal, no matter if it is the Bills or not. A lot of fun matchups to talk about coming into this week. You mentioned Joey Bosa. I do want to kind of ask you guys about some injury updates. I've got some pro football focus stuff I'd love to go through with you guys. But before we get to that, I do want to talk about mybookie.ag. I know you guys are talking about them on your show a lot as we are over at Locked On Rams. Guys, make sure to go check them out. MyBookie.ag. Use the promo code LOCKEDON25 to get $25 free play on any deposit over $100. Uh, That's where I go to make all my bets. They're awesome. They have a rock-solid reputation. 
Uh, you can do in-game live betting, which is by far my favorite thing to do. They pay out super fast. You bet, you win, you get paid. Uh, never any issues with them. So guys, what I like to do on the Wednesday crossover is I got a couple games that I want to throw your way, and we're going to kind of take a pick here. We're going to either you know take the spread, and we'll finish with our game Sunday at the Coliseum. So there's a, there's a couple good matchups this week, as there are every week as the NFL gets going. We talked about that Kansas City Chiefs matchup that you guys had in week one. They face the Niners at home. The Kansas City Chiefs are favored by seven points. This is a this divisional game for both of us in a sense. How do you see that game playing out? Chiefs minus seven or Niners plus seven? So I think it's pretty, uh, you know, the Chiefs are the real deal like we talked about a little bit earlier. So I think they're probably going to win by more than seven, to be quite honest. And how about you, John? I'll go straight up. Who do you think is going to win the game, Chiefs or Niners? I have to say the Chiefs probably win this game handedly. Uh, I'm with you guys. I think um, I think the Chiefs are legit. Mahomes has been throwing the ball over the field. The Niners haven't really been able to show that they can stop people on a consistent basis through the air. Richard Sherman looks to be a step slower. I would love to see a win here. I know in your division you're looking to you know get some early catch up here with those Chiefs, but for us, this puts the Niners uh, down another game in the division. I got the Chiefs here as well. Uh, so it looks like a clean sweep for all three of us uh, picking that game. Another game that kind of caught my eye, and this one, just to make it fun for us all, this is the Thursday night game. Uh, they're trying to make it a little bit more exciting, but then again, you, you look at the schedule and you see a game like this and, you know, not too exciting. It's the New York Jets going into Cleveland to face the Browns. The Browns are favored by three and a half points. Uh, David, tell me who you got, and then John, just take a pick. T- walk me through it. So with that one, I think the Browns are tough. I think they played each each of their opponents tough this year. I think they're a better football team than they they have been the last couple of years. They got a real GM and they got some legitimate talent on both sides of the ball now. So uh, I think that's actually going to be a very close game. Uh, and so I'm I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to still going to go against the Browns. I don't think they're going to get the W, but. I think it's going to be very close, and I would probably take the points. I'm going to have to say that the Browns win this game. I think (laughs) the Browns win this game. They have it. They have this game in hand. First win in forever. I don't see a consistent Jets team. I mean, yeah, they looked really good against the Lions with Sam Darnold looking like he could be the future guy, but then he turns around and doesn't look that great the next game. But the Browns' defense has been pretty consistent, especially against a Drew Brees, New Orleans Saints offense, and only gave up 21 points to the Saints. I think the Browns win this game. Yeah, it's going to be a close one. I think it could be a a really ugly game or a really entertaining game. Uh, This is the first time the Browns have been favored at home in like two and a half seasons, which is just almost mind-blowing. But that's how bad they've been. They've had a couple close games, obviously. They kind of blew one last week down in New Orleans. They tied the Pittsburgh Steelers, so they're still waiting to get off the schneid and get that victory. I almost would love to see it happen this Thursday, but somehow I think they're going to do the Browns thing and just blow it. I think the Jets' defense is just going to get a little bit stronger. And this is where fantasy football kills me because I got Quincy uh, Anu... I'm going to butcher this guy's last name. Anuwaye? Anuma. Oh, there you go, Anuma. I should probably learn my fantasy football team members, but I got him going in this game. So I'm going to be rooting for him to have some big numbers. So I think I'm going to be pulling for the Jets. I'll take the three and a half points here. 
So that's going to be a mixed bag. It'll be fun to see how that ends up. And then the game of the week for, for us all here, it's Los Angeles Chargers on the road in L.A. versus the Los Angeles Rams. Right now the Rams are favored by 7.5 points. Talk to me, guys. Is this one a close one? Do you have the Chargers pulling it out? David, we'll start with you. For me, this is the toughest game on the Chargers' uh, uh, schedule this year. I mean, the Rams are super tough. I mean, they're strong pretty much everywhere. They got good possession receivers, some speed. They obviously got one of the best running backs in the NFL. They got a stout defensive line, some really good corners. So this is a tough matchup. I don't think the Rams are going to win by a touchdown. I think it's going to be closer than that. I think the Chargers have a tendency to play up or play – match the competition i think the chargers can win this game but i just am a believer of i have to see it and i just i don't have the confidence so uh, i think the rams win but i think it's going to be less than a touchdown uh i would love to hope so (laughs) but i think the rams are going to win by even more than a touchdown i i just don't think we're going to be able to match up to that defensive line of theirs that we could barely hold on to a second half Bills defensive line with our makeshift offensive line because I mean we gotta realize if we don't have Barksdale playing as much as we on the Chargers side don't really think he's that great he's better than Sam Tevy and if we don't have Barksdale we're pretty much screwed so I'm gonna say the Rams actually win by more than a touchdown. Well, John, I'm I'm with you there, bud. Uh, I think this is going to be a tough one for the Chargers coming in. It could end up being one of those barn burners, and it ends up being a really close game. Uh, the Rams didn't play overly great at home last year, so weirdly this is a good spot to have them in if you're an away team coming in. Uh, but I do think that their defense is just too much for that offensive line. With no Joey Bosa on the defense side of the ball, it's going to allow Jared Goff to have that time to kind of pick apart the defense and really if you shut down one or two guys he's still got one or two more guys that he can go to the depth of that offensive threat is uh, seems to be amazing we still haven't really seen what this defense can do because every quarterback has been really really good so far at getting rid of the ball so fast so if Philip Rivers tries to make some plays happen down the field maybe late in the game uh, it could get kind of out of hand I think it's going to be uh, more than seven so I would probably take the Rams plus the points here Uh, But, man, that's why we play on Sundays, to figure it all out and see what happens. We're going to step aside real quick to take another break. We're going to be back on the other side with David, John, and myself, Bear, from Lockdown Rams. We've got some more to talk about injuries, uh, some pro football focus stuff, and more. So we'll be right back. The Suns rise in Orlando, but their playoff hopes set in the West. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. Despite finishing a perfect 8-0 in the NBA bubble, the Phoenix Suns are leaving without a playoff berth. Check out Locked On Suns today for a postmortem on an amazing run by Devin Booker and company. That's all thanks to tiebreakers and a Karis LeVert jumper that rimmed out, giving the Portland Trailblazers a win and a meeting with the Memphis Grizzlies in a play-in series for the Western Conference 8th seed. That begins on Saturday. Beginning today, all of the Locked On NBA playoff teams will be previewing the playoffs with special crossover shows. Scout your team and your opponent on the Locked On Podcast Network. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
Alright guys, we are back. This is the Wednesday edition crossover, all LA edition, Chargers and Rams this Sunday at the Coliseum. Two out of the three guys are going to be there at the game. That's going to be a bunch of fun and hopefully it's a great atmosphere for all. I want to get into a few things because we kind of mentioned Joey Bosa came out a couple weeks ago that, you know, he was going to miss the first game and then it was, okay, he's going to miss the second game and potentially more and this thing could really drag out. Talk to me about where you guys are as a team uh, as far as injuries are concerned and, and where's Bosa lie as far as when he'll return. So just overall, from an overall perspective, the Chargers are somewhat decently healthy. I mean, their right, their right tackle, as John mentioned, Joe Barksdale has been dealing with a knee injury. He's been out for you know the last week or so. Uh, and the Bosa thing just been really mind-boggling. I mean, in the preseason, they said, hey, he's good to go. If they had to play, he'd be ready to play right now. And then, you know, we see him in a walking boot, and then we see him in a cast and a walking boot. Right. And it's just like, what's going on here? I thought this guy was close to being ready to go. And, uh, you know, anyone, you know, who knows about Joey Bosa, he's a force. You know, he's one of the best young players in the league. He is a game wrecker. He changes games. And for him not to be out there, you know, it changes the, the scope of the defense. So, you know, we don't have any update as of right now. I mean, I don't think we'll see anything till midweek on, on Joey. Hopefully he's progressing. The last thing uh, that I heard was that he's probably not going to be ready to play until October. I, I really don't uh, like the sound of that at all, wow, but it yeah. sounds a whole lot better than him not playing at all this season because that would be catastrophic. As he said, he's probably not going to play till October, as they said. And there's a, I even saw one report um, that I don't really think is a real report. I think it's one of those fake articles that said he could miss up till the second week of October. But I don't know. That's I think that was a bad article, but it is something to look into. But as far as all the injuries go, I mean, you got Barksdale, Travis Benjamin, Craig Mager, and Tyrell Williams to go with Joey Bosa. And when you look at this, you could think like. Well, Travis Benjamin, you got Mike Williams. Joe Barksdale, Forrest Lamps on the rise and should play at some point. Craig Magers and nobody, and Tyrell Williams tends to play through injuries regardless, and he doesn't have it serious. But when you look at Joey Boza, you go, oh, crap, what's happened to him? And as David mentioned, they said it was nothing. It was like, oh, he'd be ready to play. And then it comes out, oh, it's a bone bruise. But now we're going to go get it looked at again because it could be a fracture. And it just kept getting more and more and more until they finally said it's a bone bruise. But now they don't have a set timetable. It's getting pretty ridiculous with the Chargers with not handling these injuries well. Because before it was we were, everybody was getting hurt. Now that people are barely getting hurt, we're not taking care of the injuries the right way. I don't know what to say about this team, David. But <laughs> we're in trouble, man, if we don't get a hold of these injuries when they happen. Yeah, it's, it's a bummer for you guys, too. Because obviously a lot of hype for you guys coming into the season. And you, know, you got young up coming stars and Bosa and then you know on the other side as far as the tight end issues that you guys had and then you know the your secondary you guys had going people going down you always want to see a team at its full uh, and how they can compete so you hope that uh, some of these guys can get healthy but yeah then you start to question like you kind of said there is you know what's going on in the training room you know what what are we missing here that this is now like a thing is this is it like that fluke or you know, is it something that they got to do organizationally to kind of get it fixed? As far as the Rams go, um, we've got Mark Barron, who's been lingering and has really been day-to-day since week one and basically been ruled out the day of the game, both games. So 
we're not sure where he's going to lay and if he's going to come in and actually get some playing time for the first time in the season. We could always use some help at depth at our linebackers. Our young guys have been playing really good so far, uh, but we'd love to see him back out on the field. We lost our Pro Bowl kicker, Greg Zerline. It happened pregame, which I was at the game, and I didn't even realize Johnny Hecker was out there until he was doing kickoffs, and I was like, what's going on? Why are we going for two, and why is Johnny Hecker kicking it off? So uh, we're going to miss our Pro Bowl. <laughs> yeah, a couple IPAs, and you start to miss some of the details at the game. Um, but Oh, Bear, I got a better story about that. Our producer for our live show that we have drafted oh Zerloin with his fourth overall pick oh, in, wow. the, in fantasy draft. Wow. He should be suspended just for taking a kicker in the fourth. But get this. Get, guess what his record is right now. Is he 2-0? and 2-0. and Our producer is 2-0, and and he took a damn kicker in the fourth damn round. Man. It is unbelievable. I can't believe that I saw that, and I can't even believe even more that he has not lost yet. It just boggles my mind. But it is true. Well, for him. Oh, but even two kickers. He drafted <laughs> two. <laughs> oh, man. Those are the people that drive you crazy, and then they, they beat you, and you're like, how? How is he doing this? But, man, it's worked for him. And, and he's already got a backup kicker. Yeah, so, well, I, for his sake, I'm hoping that Greg gets out there quickly because we miss him. We have Ficken, who is now the kicker. He came in for us last year when Greg went out with his back injury. So he knows the team. He struggled at the beginning uh, when he came on the team last year, but he hit both of his field goals in our playoff loss against Atlanta. So he's got some confidence. Hopefully we can build off that. And hopefully, you know, we're scoring touchdowns and we don't need our kicker to bail us out in a tight situation. But you guys know all too well of a kicker letting you down in a big-time situation. Why? (laughs) I had to make one reference at that at this point. Um But we talked about some of the reasons that, you know, this matchup could go in the Rams' favor when we were doing our picks. And you talked about the pass blocking. I was looking over pro football focus, just kind of sifting through some stats. And I kind of want to just run this by you. And obviously, the injury there is not going to help. But the Rams, that's been one of their strong suit. They ranked in at 90.9 grade from pro football focus on pass blocking. The Chargers rank in at 63.6. As far as pass blocking, the crazy thing about that is Rivers was pressured on 40% of his dropbacks, which is 12 out of 30 last game, was the highest rate in the league for week two, yet he finished the game with the highest passer rating under pressure at 153, completing eight of his nine passes for 108 yards and a turnover, or and a touchdown. So the crazy thing is, it's like they're not protecting him, but in a weird way, he's been doing really well. I'm not sure how that's going to last. What are your thoughts on protecting Rivers in this game against our monstrous D-line? Well, the thing about Phillip Rivers that's deceiving is, no, he is not mobile, but... He is very, very intelligent and cerebral with the game of football. He makes a lot of his checks at the line. He sets his own protections. The addition of Mike Pouncey has made the take, taken a little bit of that off his plate because Mike Pouncey is able to make those checks along with him. But Philip Rivers gets the ball out of his hands very, very quickly. And the fact that you know he's been in the league for you know 15 years, he sees blitzes and blitzes don't phase him because he always knows where his hot receiver is going to be, and he gets the ball out of his hands very, very quickly, as I mentioned. So blitzing Phillip Rivers is not really the best option because he, he can see it and he can beat it, as those pro football focus numbers can uh, attest to. 
Yeah, but here's the thing. The teams that really beat Phillip Rivers don't usually use the blitz on him. They use a four-man rush, and they drop seven into coverage, a.k.a. the Kansas City Chiefs with Andy Reid. And the Rams have the defensive line to do that. They can literally just run four and drop everybody back. And they have Marcus Peters, who you wouldn't say is the greatest guy in the league at corner, but he's definitely Phillip Rivers' Achilles heel, if you will. (laughs) Rivers somehow always finds a way to throw him an interception. But the Rams don't have to send a blitz in this game. They can just rush four, and then Rivers has to find a way to find somebody open with seven guys covering, which, as you saw against the Chiefs last year, he couldn't do that, and he starts getting excited, or he tries to make a play, and he starts throwing it deep into double coverage to guys like Tyrell Williams, who don't do the jump ball like a Malcolm Floyd used to do. That's my problem with this game. I mean, I couldn't help but notice that Bear didn't mention Aaron Donald on the injury report, which I was hoping I would hear something that happened to him, but nothing happened to him. So you're going to have Adama Kasu and Aaron Donald both in the middle coming after us. And unless we find some kind of way to balance that out on the offensive line, it's probably going to be the same thing as the Chiefs game. Well, you mentioned a couple good things uh, that I kind of want to pick your brain in a little bit further. We're going to take one more quick break, get a word from our sponsors before we get out of here. We'll be back on the other side with our third segment, close out the show. We'll talk what's going to happen in the game and a little bit more about this defense-offense matchup. We'll be right back on the other side. This is Vinny Iyer, host of Locked on Fancy Football with your Locked on Fancy Football Edge of the Day. Tight end is a prime position for finding fancy football sleeper value in 2020. After George Kittle and Travis Kelsey go off the board early, don't worry. You can wait and still get some great return for a starter at the position. The two prime targets both have HH for initials, the Chargers Hunter Henry and the Falcons Hayden Hurst. A healthy Henry can have a monster downfield receiving season for new QB Tyra Taylor and carries high TD upside. As for Hurst, he's stepping right into the productive spot vacated by Austin Hooper in Atlanta as key support to Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and Calvin Ridley. Trust in Henry a little earlier and Hurst a little later to give you some pleasing tight end one results. Get the edge in your fantasy football league every day by listening to Locked On Fantasy Football on your preferred podcast provider. All right, we are back. The Wednesday edition crossover Locked On podcast. We've got the L.A. Chargers. we got the L.A. Rams. I'm Bear. We've got David and John with us. Super excited about this game on Sunday. We did a preview show in the offseason about some of the games that I was really excited about. I had circled this one as probably my favorite game of the year. I, I just love this crosstown rivalry, even though it's not there yet. Uh, but there's so much trash talk on Twitter and uh, you know, a lot of people around the country picking both these guys as kind of dark horses to make the Super Bowl. Uh, that would be a super fun all-L.A. Super Bowl. We'll see. we got a lot of football yet to play. You had talked, John, on the other side about Marcus Peters and how he just seems to find a way to know where Phillip Rivers is throwing or Phillip Rivers is throwing right at him. Uh, I was watching a highlight film of him pre-Rams, and it was I thought it was just – Someone cut up Philip Rivers throwing interceptions to him, but it was ended up being Marcus Peters' highlight film, and there were a few other quarterbacks in there. What's going on with that? And is Philip Rivers going to throw Marcus Peters' way, or does he just have to look the other side and try to test to lead this game? 
Rivers isn't the type of guy to go away from a star corner, if you will. And, I mean, either way, there's two star corners, Peters or Tlaib. Whichever way you go, you're going to be thrown to someone who's pretty decent at corner, if not really great at corner, depending on how you look at the guys. And there was a game, like, in 2014 against the Seahawks when everyone was like, are you guys going to avoid Richard Sherman? And Rivers was like, no, we're not going to avoid him. We're going to go right at him. And Keenan Allen had the same mentality, and they completed all three targets that way against Richard Sherman, all three for first downs. And I expect Rivers to do it again. The only difference is, is Marcus Peters going to be the same guy in the Rams defense as he was in the Chiefs defense, which was basically someone who could bait Rivers into a throw. So if you watch some of those plays, Peters is kind of lurking off to the side and Rivers falls for it and just throws it that way. And here comes Peters going, ha-ha, gotcha, and grabs that interception because that's what Andy Reid's defense allows him to do. Will the Rams' defense allow him to do it? I don't know, but I don't expect Rivers to throw away from him at all. I think Rivers is going to have the confidence to throw at him, but hopefully he's smarter this year. I was going to say, no, I agree with that, John. Uh, Philip Rivers is definitely not the guy that's going to shy away from any type of competition. And I'm pretty sure you know he subscribes to the moniker Fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, shame on you. He learns from his mistakes. I, I think, you know, he's going to throw at him, but I think he's going to be smarter with his decisions. And Tlaib, he honestly doesn't scare me that much. I think he's gotten a little bit slower. Uh, he is ferocious, and he's good at the, the line of scrimmage, but I don't think he's as fast as he used to be. Well, it will be a fun matchup to watch on Sunday because I know, like you said, he answered it perfectly because I don't see Philip Rivers as a person going away from anybody he likes a challenge, and he trusts in what he's doing. He's got six touchdowns so far this year. He's been throwing the ball all over the place. I want to switch while we're talking offenses. We've got two really good running backs in this game. Obviously, Todd Gurley for the home team, and then Melvin Gordon coming in for the Chargers. Oh, and I thought you were going to mention Malcolm Brown and Melvin Gordon. <laughs> so, yeah, we you may see some Malcolm Brown. He, he made some appearance at the end, but you, I don't, love want, that guy. you don't want to see Malcolm Brown because it means you're probably losing by three touchdowns or more. So if you see Malcolm Brown, you're in trouble. Um, but I want to ask you about your other running back because right now I'm looking at uh, the rushing leaders on your team. And Austin Eckler is at the top of that list, 116 yards on 16 carries. Obviously, Melvin Gordon's getting a little bit more of the action with 24 carries. Uh, but, you know, is this a dual threat running back situation we have going right now? Or uh, talk to me about who the Rams should be more worried about in the running back in that backfield. The answer is both of them. <laughs> Uh, so Melvin Gordon has great hands, and they've been utilizing him a lot in the passing game. He caught two touchdowns last week against the Bills, got another one on the ground in a 20-yard rush. But Austin Eckler is just as productive, if not more. If you look at his stats, every time he touches the ball, he's going for at least seven yards. He is su- he's small, but he's super quick, super fast, very decisive, Hard to see and hard to bring down. So he's a guy you cannot forget about. John, I think, you know, you would even maybe make an argument that Austin Eckler is the best back on the team at the moment. I wouldn't say he's the best back on the team, but I would say he's the best weapon on the team. I mean, I would actually put him ahead of Keenan Allen right now as far as the best weapon on the team because with how well Austin Eckler and Melvin Gordon complement each other, some people would say Austin Eckler is a change of pace back. But that's the type of back that you would bring in for a, a play or two here and there, kind of like what the Chargers did with Sproles 
in his first couple of years when LT and Turner were still there. But now Eckler and Gordon are getting the same amount of plays and close to the same amount of touches, not as much, so much carries, but touches both rushing and passing. So I, I consider them complement backs. And what Melvin Gordon does sets up Austin Eckler, and what Austin Eckler does is setting up Melvin Gordon. And Austin Eckler is making the most out of all these decisions. And I saw on here also that Austin Eckler is considered the top-graded running back on pro football focus, which means he's doing the best with his touches, if you will. So he's doing the smartest plays and making the better decisions, making the best of each carry. And to see that is pretty amazing from a guy who last year wasn't really running the ball that great and was fumbling a couple of times. He's improved a lot. And Bear, one thing you need to look out for is Austin Eckler and Melvin Gordon on the field at the same time. Ken Wisenhunt has liked to use both those guys to add some more deception that way you don't know where the ball is going to go to, and both of them are capable of making plays. No, and that's actually the one thing that kind of worries me about these two guys. You talked about you know, them using Melvin Gordon as a receiver. He's actually the leading receiver on your team right now as far as receptions go. He's got 15, Keenan Allen's got 14, and then Austin Eckler's not too far behind with eight. And when you got both those guys in the backfield, and one of the things that the Rams have been vulnerable against is the tight end across the middle and even a running back coming out of a backfield uh, going across the middle and those pass-catching guys in short distances because our outside guys have held it down this year. Tlaib and Peters have only allowed two catches over 10 yards the whole season. Uh, so, you know, we feel pr- pretty good on the outside. But over the middle is where this young Rams linebacking core has had a little bit of its weakness in its first two games. So going to be fun and interesting to see how the Chargers try to confuse the Rams. And like you said, having both those guys back there and you know, having them come out of the backfield and both of them being pass-catching running backs is a huge value to that. So uh, it's funny because Eckler actually reminds me of like Darren Sproles back in the day, you know, that little guy that uh, you just don't think can do what he can, and then all of a sudden there he is running up the sidelines, you know, getting by everybody, and uh, he's got that multi-talented type of game, and such, especially from a small size. So uh, it's good. Go ahead. You mentioned Sproles. You mentioned Sproles. Um, our other host, Daniel Wade, has given Austin Eckler the nickname the Spark Plug. And those who watched Darren Sproles back in the day knows that Josh Lewin used to call him the Lightning Bug. So we've, we've got a lot of resemblance to Sproles out of Austin Eckler. Yeah, he's going to be fun to watch on Sunday. And, you know, it's going to be one of those key pieces, I think, that the Chargers are going to really need to get going because as the Rams can shut down different things, uh, you know, finding a way to get Phillip Rivers going and get that offense going, especially early. You hope the Coliseum for Rams Nation's sake is, you know, getting loud and, you know, we want to make it a tough place to play. But like you mentioned at the opening, it's a big stadium, holds over 90-something thousand. On Sunday, this last Sunday, there were about 66,000 people. It looked empty, but for in a weird way, there was still a good crowd. So, Uh, We'll leave on this last little bit note here. Uh, We did talk about the game in our pick'em segment, in the My Bookie segment earlier, but we'll just go around the house again, and I kind of want to see a score prediction if you got one, and uh, winner of the game, and then we'll sign off here. Before we do a pick'em, I just got one quick question for you. Oh, yeah, sure. Let's bring it. What do you think the Rams are going to do on the offensive side to attack the Chargers' defense? Running cooks. 
<laughs> yeah, uh, I think they got to just continue to feed Brandon Cooks the ball. He's gotten nine targets the past couple weeks. I think it was nine and eight. And, you know, we traded a first-round draft pick for him. So, you know, you got to continue to work him the ball. But really the whole offense goes through Todd Gurley. I talked yesterday on the show that the Rams under the Sean McVay era are undefeated when they win the time of possession battle. And that all starts through Todd Gurley in that run game. We saw on the opening Monday night game, the Raiders really won the first half of that battle. And then the Rams came out and dominated it in the second half. But that's because we didn't have the ball. We had the ball for eight minutes. Uh, we had something ridiculous like only 10 or 11 plays in the first half. So if we can kind of control the ball, work our offense through Todd Gurley. Jared Goff last year was the best passer out of play action, uh, you know, with obvious you know, understanding on why he's got one of the best backs there. So if we can get that run game going, it's going to open up the play action. Jared Goff this last week threw the ball 64 yards in the air. It was only like a 57-yard completion, but through the air it went 64 yards to Brandon Cooks. The guy's got a gun. That play action can be dangerous, and we can strike fast. Uh, we're averaging about 32, 33 points per game this year, which so far is up about three points from last year's league-leading uh, 29 points per game. So I think it's the offense really just sticking to what gets them there, and that's the run game on the ground, and then continuing to work with Brandon Cooks and let him just rack up catches. Sounds good. All right, so now that we got that understood, uh, it's time to, to go ahead and pick a winner, uh, I guess. So, John, I guess we'll just go ahead and start with you, man. What do you Who's going to win, and what do you think the score is going to be? Uh, I, I'm... I'm hoping Charger fans aren't going to burn down my house for this. Um, <laughs> I think the Rams win this game somewhere around the area of 34-17. Mm, that's hard to hear. That's hard to hear. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, comes we'll, a glass we'll bottle. Uh, yeah. So with that being said, we'll go ahead and see what Bayer uh, has to say, and then I'll give my prediction afterwards. Man, I almost am I'm thinking if, if John's got the camera on, he can see my, my picks over here because I'm pretty much dead on with them. I had it actually uh, 33 to 13. I think the Rams defense at home is just going to be tough. If we get up early and, you know, we leave Phillip Rivers in this kind of, I don't want to say desperation mode, but where he feels that he has to go make plays. And if they can get outside of their offensive scheme a little bit, it can get away quick with this defense. We had three turnovers in the first game. We had one in the second game. And I really think they're just starting to get used to each other. So I, I think it's going to be a big win for the Rams. I, I wouldn't, in the, it, while I'm saying this, it's just kind of ridiculous, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Chargers come in with a chip on their shoulder. Everyone's kind of stacking against them and have them come in and fight really hard here in Los Angeles. But for what I think is going to happen, I've got it as a 33-13 to victory for the Rams. Yeah, honestly, to me, that sounds crazy. Uh, I don't think it's going to be anywhere close to that. Uh, but, hey, we're all entitled, entitled to our opinions, and that's what makes this interesting. For me, Wait, I think David, the Chargers – what? You know what I just realized? What's that, John? He just compared us to, he just compared us to the Raiders because that's the score they beat the Raiders by. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, man. I did not notice that. I, I, but that is I did, that's, that's a hard pill to swallow. I did and didn't mean to at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think the Chargers are much more talented than the Raiders, and I think we can execute that time of, of possession game a lot better than the Raiders can. And I think 
you know, the Chargers have a, a, a great team. And like I said before, they tend to play up to their competition. I do feel the Rams are a great team, very talented. I do believe they're going to win, but I think it's going to be a 31-28 ball game. I think it's only going to be a field goal that's going to separate the two. How ironic. <laughs> well, that would be a I would you know, that would be a fun game to watch. Uh, you know, as we talked about being at the game, that's that would be an amazing atmosphere if that thing came down to a field goal at the end or a defensive stop or, you know, someone making a big play. Uh, that's why they play the games on Sunday. We'll have to see how it all goes. Guys, uh, where can everyone find you on social media if they want to kind of find some of your content? Hey, so they can find us, the show, on Twitter at LockedOnLAC. You can also find us on Facebook at LockedOnChargers. We post all our shows on the Facebook page and, of course, the Twitter account. And if you want to find me personally, it's Dedro619. And you can find John Kegley on Twitter at... At BiggestChargersFan. At biggest Chargers fan. So, uh, hey, Bear, always a pleasure talking football with you, man. It's going to be a fun game to watch on Sunday. Very interested to see how it all plays out. Best of luck, guys. We'll be in touch. Once you get past uh, you know, us here on, on Sunday, then best of luck. Stay healthy, and uh, we'll be following you along the rest of the season. Hey, Locked On listeners, you already love our network of NFL shows, so why go anywhere else for the fantasy football information you need to know for the 2020 season? You just need to check out Locked On Fantasy Football, hosted by me, Vinny Iyer. We're counting down to the season by breaking down players and teams every day. It's no-nonsense, straight-to-the-point, smart fantasy football analysis that has only two goals in mind, helping you dominate your drafts and win your league championship. That's Locked On Fantasy Football, only on the Locked On Network.